1: Hello, it's time for some Homo Sapiens, some 2024 Homo Sapiens. Happy New Year, everybody. How are we all? Um, Storm, what's it called? Storm Hector? Something like that has been ravaging us all, um, for want of a better description. Uh, I've had a whole tree come down in my garden. Actually, really exciting. It was a silver birch, a beautiful tree covered in moss, opened up the window, and it had fallen right down in the middle of the garden. Nothing was damaged, I'm pleased to report. Um, But yeah, that's been been today's excitement. How has it been for you all? Are you back at work? Are you managing to shirk work? Are you doing dry January? Are you on a new health kick? Because if you are, I've got just the episode for you. And not for the reasons you might think. Because today we've got... Peloton superstar Cody Rigsby on the show. Now, Peloton, for those of you who don't know and who didn't experience the pandemic, the world, with the global pandemic, um, what it, the Peloton is an indoor spin class that you can do from home, should you be able to be in a position to buy this big bike that you have in your house. And it blew up over, it was always a thing, but it blew up over, the, over lockdown because people weren't allowed to go out and Cody Rigsby was one of the instructors and became this massive thing because everyone just kind of fell in love with him and he became one of the favorite instructors because he played loads of like unbelievable music like Brittany, Mariah, Beyonce used to dedicate whole classes to them but also kind of being really empowering to the queer community and he always says that he says this lovely thing in the interview like I like to think of the peloton bike as a Trojan horse of diversity and acceptance and he wants to be able to change people's hearts and open their minds to what a gay man is and uses his classes you know to help people he's even used his classes to like help people come out to their families and He's just fascinating. And it's a really good time to be talking to him because I'm not talking about the exercise side of things, which is obviously how Cody became well-known. But it, it this conversation is really interesting about kind of changing and growing and perhaps becoming... You know, we start these new years and everyone does their ins and outs, you know, what's in, what's out for 2024. And Cody is someone who has come a long way in terms of being happy with himself as a gay man. And we talk loads about that and why he's changed and how he's changed and become happier, you know? So I love, I loved this chat and it feels like the right time of year to be having it. Cody also manages to be the nation's kind of agony uncle in America while taking spin classes. So this kind of turned into like an agony uncle session where he gave you listeners advice on a whole range of topics. I took your problems to him, everyone who's been writing in recently, we took in a whole load of stuff like questions about grinder. His to first dates, to handling rejection. His advice is on the money, but also unexpected is all I'll say. Um, just love him. So uh, that's coming up in a second. I hope you're all caught up with our December extravaganzae. That's plural of extravaganzas, you see. Um, we had Guardian entertainment critic, Scott Bryan came and coached us with what to look forward to in 2024. And then we had a right old laugh with two, uh, one stalwart, of comedy Stephen K Amos and then a trailblazer young Leah Reich came on. Now a reminder they these tickets are going fast so you've got to move fast. A reminder that we are finally hosting a live show in London on the 29th of February. Join me and the like-minded friends podcast gang Susie Ruffle and Tom Allen for a one night only queer podcast show. Get your tickets baby using the link in the episode description or through our instagram bio it's up to you and you've got to come we're gonna have a whole night together and we're gonna have a laugh it's gonna be all of us we're gonna have a lovely time and i want to meet you all we're gonna to, to say hi now on to christmasy correspondence stephen wrote a lovely message about the episode with Terry Vanderbroek. we spoke about the importance of clothes for queer people so give that a listen it had a great it had a lovely response from you all but Stephen wrote in, hello, Chris and team. Wanted to say thank you for the lovely episodes this year. Just finished the one about clothes and thought that gay hair needed an honorable mention. When I was growing up, you could deaf out yourself by your haircut and color. Ah, Stephen, this is so true. Here's me at 17. Okay, we've got to put this on socials. Stephen, you look amazing. Also, I hope you didn't have a hideously dry crumble for Christmas, still haunted by the episode where you say how much you love it, as it's so easy. You just mix up some flour and sugar and put it on some fruit. Happy New Year's to you and yours. Stephen, what am I doing wrong? Oh no, what, what, what's wrong with my crumble? You need to write in and give me your recipe. I don't, that's, that's my crumble. Gosh, do you know what? No one ever asked for seconds around my house though. Maybe now we know why. Craig wrote in about clothes. Oh my God, to having total flashbacks of wearing my sister's bridesmaid dressed to school. For I think a fancy dress day, I felt amazing and no one said anything. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. I mean, prize-based dresses are great because they're frilly, so you just feel gorgeous. Other listeners have also been in touch about the items of clothing that were seminal to them. Jess says a bright orange vest. It's not as sleigh as I thought it was, Oh, that's funny. Um, a rah-rah skirt with blue ribbon trim, 80s, one of the very few clothes that weren't a hand-me-down. I love that, that's from Wildio. Rav says, yes, a jacket I'd got from Adams when I was in primary school, obsessed with it. Oh my God, Adams is the school, is the school clothing company, right? Matt said, my mum's cardigan. Oh, I love, always loved a mum's cardigan The smell of perfume. My mum's Chanel number five, I think she wore, Coco Chanel. Herbie, there was a Disney top handed down in the family that's now in a frame. Oh my God, Herbie, are you listening to me? You've got to send us a photo. I want to see it. Teo says, and then Teo commented, Blueprints, Princess, stress, because Deo was the buzzy we interviewing. Okay, um, this has been wonderful—a lovely romp through the inbox. Let's go and have a listen to the episode with Cody. First things first, incredible that you have a house on the beach. Yes, second, of course. Second thing, second. What's the vibe? Well, Is it's it? Fire Island, so it's no. You know.
2: Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of, it, it's old, but it's lovely. And, you know, we have a
1: lot of fun there and also very wholesome times there. So <laughs> among other things, I imagine. Um, so, Amongst um, many other things. So look, two big questions. One, I didn't know anybody actually owned a house in Fire Island. I thought everyone just rented from like 100 year old <laughs> gay men. <laughs> gay men, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, two, for anyone who doesn't know, because there might be some, can you just explain what Fire Island is? Well, okay. Yeah. Um, the, for the first
2: statement, I will say there is like a new, newer generation of like people buying homes out of there. So it is getting a little bit younger, but we also pay, pay respect to our elder gays, So nothing, nothing against too, that. Cause we need um, the houses. Of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need
2: that when you're house. young and broke. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, for the UK audience, outside of New York, uh, probably like an hour or two outside of the city, depending on how you get there. Um, there's a little a little gay island called Fire Island, which is broken up into two communities. The Pines, which all the gays are at, and Cherry Grove, where all the lesbians are at. And it's a, a cute little island with no cars and beautiful homes where everybody goes to party during the summer, but you know, it's also a little bit more and there's a lot of gay history there. That's where like the first tea dance happened. Mm. One of the first tea dances happened and there's a massive, you know, community and history in the island. So I it has a very special place in my heart since I've been going out there 10, 10 years ago, something like that.
1: I was supposed to go, and then COVID happened, because I've never oh, been. Oh, okay. My friend rented this house for his birthday. We were all going to go, and I was so excited, because I'd never been. We were actually saying, literally, but three days ago, let's try and go next year. So, <laughs> just tell me... I mean, I'm I'm too old to go now. People are, like, push no, me away. No, not at all. Um, listen, you know, but... Just tell me a bit about that world, because it's crazy, isn't it? Like, you go out at four, you go for drinks, then you have to go home, then you have to go out, and then it's like a whole (laughs) thing, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's its own little magical world with lots of weird idiosyncrasies that, that you have to do with that but you take a ferry from the mainland to the island so you arrive in a harbor and the harbor yeah. there's this very small little town of like a nightclub gym a few little stores a, a bar and a grocery store and um yeah I, I think fireland can kind of be whatever you want to make it if you want to have a, a weekend of debauchery and sluttiness with your mates uh you can do that if you want to <laughs> Just go to the beach and come back home and make a meal with your friends. You can also do that. There's no wrong answer. I always think of it as a choose your own adventure. You just decide what page you want to turn it to. And sometimes wow. you can get a little bit of both, a little bit debauchery, a little wholesomeness. It just depends. And where do
1: you land on that spectrum, Katie Wigsby?
2: Um, I would say I'm probably like seventy percent debauchery, thirty percent wholesomeness. Lovely. Yeah. That's a
1: a nice combo. I would say I'm um, a Cody Rigsby fan, phase two, because I will be, <laughs> <laughs> I will be <laughs> okay, go ahead. straight with you. I obviously had heard of you, but I've never been, a, I've never done a Peloton class. I don't uh-huh. have a Peloton and any of that, but I discovered you and I just love so many things about you. Um, you talk about kind of, I don't think these were your words, but I interpret it as like kind of quiet activism of being a, mm-hmm. a queer Peloton instructor and like the mass market that that is. This isn't the same idea, but it it struck me that I was listening to Matthew Bourne, who did Swan Lake, choreographer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an incredible choreographer. And he did the first all-male Swan Lake. And he was like... Fierce. I love doing big ideas, but on big platforms, things that people know about. And there's a bit of that with you and Peloton. Like a lot of those guys who are doing those Peloton classes would not be listening to the amazing things you say in your classes all mm-hmm. the kind of queerness that that you infuse it with and and that activism would that be right yes
2: i would i would agree with you and this is kind of my what i've what i've said in a lot of interviews is that i always see peloton as a little trojan horse with rainbows and glitter on it mm-hmm. that you know people buy the bike and they start taking fitness classes it might be a mom in the midwest and sometimes even yes like a straight man you know gets on my class and they're, they're just there for the fitness and then they start to develop either a relationship with me or my class and then they get to know more about me and so hopefully it kind of has this effect where it's either breaking down walls of you know transphobia queer phobia homophobia and opening people up to what a gay man is and falling in love with that. And then in itself, either changing their minds or changing the community around them.
1: So I do see it as, like you said, quiet activism. Uh, but do has your life changed radically? Like, can you go to Fire Island and, you know, get off your head and no one will comment? Or is that, do you have to be mindful? I think when it comes
2: to debauchery, like I'm an open book in my my classes and my content i'm like you know i'm a slut i love to party and have fun i am messy like i'm all these things so i don't yeah. think it's a surprise when people see me tearing it up on a dance floor making yeah. out with strangers that like i'm trying to be something that i'm not like i i told you in the fine print what you're getting i told you in the in the headline what you're <laughs> the getting big so print. if you're so su- if you're surprised by now that's on you I, I, I pride myself on not having to live double lives and, and not really That's letting right. any shame or, or guilt of what people think uh, hold me back from living my best damn life um Mm -hmm. but you know i'm also fortunate that i live in new york city and there's something about new yorkers that like celebrity doesn't really phase them of course my a few people might ask for pictures but most of the part most most of the time new yorkers leave me alone and the the gays out in fire island are pretty unfazed as well so it's it's not that that deep
1: yes well that's uh i suppose that's sort of the beauty of living in one of those places and also, people in New York are just walking too fast, quite frankly. They just sort of push push they, you they out. Got of... So they... many other things to worry about than <laughs> a, a,
2: a Z-list celebrity that rides a bike.
1: <laughs> but you um I remember you saying something that was your sort of reflections on it were nice, that you mm-hmm. you told you used to tell yourself you're a Z-list celebrity and then you decided mm-hmm. not to minimize that anymore. And where did that come from
2: um
1: you know one of my rules in
2: life is take the fucking compliment like you know Mm. i hate i hate when people will compliment someone and they'll be like no 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 like just say thank you and move about your business you know someone's trying to say nice and in in a weird way kind of someone calling me a celebrity is a a compliment or at least a, a validation of the success that i've had and I think once you can kind of accept it, you can kind of move through it, and it doesn't it doesn't like hold any weight. But I also think that you kind of like step in, step into your power, step into your platform, and use it for as much as you can. So you know, don't fight it, lean into it, and
1: I, I think I have. And when you say you know a minute ago, being authentic about who you are with everyone, being upfront, and all the rest of it. That is an amazing place to get to. It is yeah. amazing, and it is a it's a lifetime's work. And often the people who are really, really there, actually, I find, are the people who were really not there oh, in yeah. the beginning. But is that your story? Like, how did you end up in this authentic place?
2: I think that I've always been very brash, very like outward person. I'm performative. I was a dancer. I was a uh, in theater. Yeah. Like, I've always I've always been like that. But I think a lot of my life, and especially as like a gay man, like we hold on to a lot of shame about who we are, our past. We're always looking for like outside validation. We are always comparing ourselves to X, Y, and Z. And um, I think it took, I, I know a shifting moment for me was a really bad breakup that I went to with my ex-boyfriend 6 or 7 years ago and i had cheated on him like broke the rules all these sort of things so obviously i had a lot of work to do and that meant going to to therapy and figuring my shit out and also starting like a meditation practice so i could really like get in here a little bit and so i think that's where a lot of letting go of shame guilt trauma all that sort of stuff started its process. And I think when Mm -hmm. you start to let that go and you also start to uh, allow yourself to observe yourself and laugh at yourself, Mm -hmm. that you don't take life so seriously and you don't let any of that kind of like have power over you. And then it makes so much room for authenticity
1: and lack of fear and just like going for it happen. And what does that feel like when you start to do it?
2: I think it just feels like freedom. And I think something that I talk about a lot is just being able to laugh at life and yourself. I think we get caught up on so many small details and we let them have so much weight and so much power. And sometimes when you can just step outside of yourself or take a minute to observe everything that's going on, Mm. you can kind of like laugh at your Self, when you get so worked up about something not going your way or you get you you get so worked up about minute details that don't really matter um I think it like it just was that that freedom and that ability to kind of laugh at oneself and and not take it so
1: heavy yeah do you do you also feel like because this is my version of when I started trying to do this and it's you know I get it wrong ninety nine percent of the time, but I yeah, we we should. You you are going to yeah. get a lot of things
2: wrong ninety nine percent of the time, and still do.
1: You know, yeah. But it made me go. We invent quite a lot of rules for ourselves. You know what I mean? Yes. That actually aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we put catastrophe on the other side of it, and then you go through the door and you are like, "Oh, it <laughs> wasn't that bad." <laughs> There's <nothing Yeah>. There is nothing here, and also nobody cared. <laughs> like oh. we really
2: think that we are the main character of everyone else's story <laughs> when we are barely, and I
1: mean barely uh an extra actor like No. And it's like what it is I always quote, I think it's Mary Jo Blige, you gotta get out of your own way. Yeah. You started out as a dancer, right? So I started out as a music video director. So I used to do uh, lots of videos. And so I spent a lot of time with dancers. Who are my favorite people? Because it's sort of the closest thing to like being at art school for a job, I think. You know, like it's such a beautiful... Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I've never
2: heard that analogy, but that is true. Yes. Yeah.
1: But then you would sort of try, you wanted to do tours and things. And that's kind of the yeah. story, isn't it? That then it, it didn't happen... It and didn't happen. Thank God, because then yeah, you, you know the Peloton thing happened. But what was that part of your life like?
2: I had danced professionally for about five years, had some success. Danced for Katy Perry, like you said, Nicki Minaj, Pitbull, a Saturday Night Live, and then I started to really see that a lot of the professional work, like tours, bigger artists, were it was all kind of migrating out to LA. That's where everybody was moving, mm. and so. I I went out there, I had a friend, you know, everyone has, a at least every American has a friend in Los Angeles. Um, And so I had somewhere to crash on their couch. And so I'd go out there for months at a time, audition, try to get get some ground, like bearings down there. And it just like never felt authentic and never felt right. Mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't booking work. So like, you know, I I went in for Britney Spears, Las Vegas residency, got to the second round, got chopped, like all these sort of things. And I got to a point where I was like, uh, all my friends have like, quote unquote, real jobs, they are can afford rent, they can afford furniture, they can afford to like, go on a small vacation. And here I'm like struggling to make ends meet. Mm. And uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I think a lot of those failures brought me back to New York City, where I where I spent that fall being like, I just want to make money. So I'll take whatever and little crazy job I'll do. I can do, I did catering and I worked at a club and I worked to freelance for PR. I did all these little small jobs to make it, to make it all happen. And, it was me working at the box, which you guys have in London. You have a box yes. in London, which I've never been to, but there's a box in New York City. And I did work there. And that's that was my in towards Peloton. And so yeah, it's always a thank thank God those things didn't work out because it landed
1: me where I was supposed to be. Yeah, because you got spotted at the box, which is kind of for anyone who doesn't know, it's like it's been around for a long time in New York and it's it's such a like queer mecca but it's also very straight i don't know well it's sort of like the performance is very queer and the the people going to watch are very straight yes 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 agreed because i mean i i went there years and years and years ago but i remember like seeing amanda Lepore there for example Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it was radical but it was you know there was an element of i don't think it felt like this at the time but i think perhaps one might look back at that time as a bit of a like a circus you know they're allowed to, those people are allowed to be on the stage but they can't be in the audience kind of thing
2: i That's a good take that is a good take but I don't know if
1: you ever felt that.
2: I never felt that. But as you say it, like, absolutely. Like, the, the main attraction at the box in New York City was a trans woman who would stick things up her ass, like, in <laughs> front of people. And, like, it was almost like an, ew, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe that's happening. And, mm. But, yeah, almost, as you talk about it, like, it did kind of feel like a little bit of a circus.
1: Yes, it's like... um. Tourism, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and not like all queer people are sticking things up there. Well, no, no. some are, some are not. And some straight people are as well. Exactly. And we embrace, we accept, and we love them all. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But then does it make you laugh? Does your, do you have a pretty woman when she walks back into the shop and says, big mistake, huge (laughs) moment? When you think about the fact that then you ended up on Dancing with the Stars after Um, all of the
2: rejection? Oh, I I wish. I wish, but no, it hasn't, hasn't crossed my mind. But is that, that, is a, that is a good parallel. Yeah. No, I mean, there was only, and I write about in the book, there was just one, like one of the last auditions I went on was like for J-Lo and, and it wasn't even, I didn't even have beef with J-Lo. It was, I had beef with the the guy running the the audition who's a super known in the dance world. And every audition I ever did for him, he was always just like, you'd get there and he, he'd stop the audition and start talking for an hour and a, about just how... You got to hustle and all this, and I'm just like, mm. you're wasting my time here, guy. Like it's someone someone that just wanted like attention, um, right? But I've never seen that person outside of that, so I haven't had I haven't had my pretty
1: woman moment yet, and nor am I. Nor am I searching for it. Well, wow, what a wonderfully centered man you are for that reason. Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> don't you quite advocate being petty? Yes, uh, but so this but, could be an opportunity
2: to be petty, but
1: tactfully.
2: Okay, that is in the title of a book, and so yeah. what I always define tactful pettiness as uh, shade, but with intention. So I think of it, of it, you know, more <laughs> towards your friends or people you actually care about.
1: Or didn't you say as well, if you see your ex and you're with your new partner or whatever, Boo, it, that, yeah, yeah, you should be. What was it like? Rub, rub it in a, just a little bit like yeah of course of course of course
2: of <laughs> course you know like even if you're just at the club with a stranger like give them a little bit of a show
1: let them let them think a little bit yes it's so w- we couldn't you know let the opportunity pass to do some questions from the listeners for you or oh wonderful so one of the things you talk about is dating and stuff like that yes and I love how you always just say it how it is. But some of your some of your advice is, I would say, not traditional. I. Not at all. Hook up before the date. Absolutely. So, how do you hook up before the date from just a geography perspective? Mm, is it uh, now? Well.
2: Now, if it's not a first date and you've hooked up with this person, I like to I like to do what's called a reverse date plan, because let's Mm -hmm. be honest, if you go have dinner and drinks, you're going to be bloated. No one wants to fuck or get fucked after having a heavy meal. So why not just do the deed before dinner and drinks? Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's one uh, one strategy around that. And. I don't know if you've ever been on Grinder, but there's a way to just go and show up and have sex. So that, there's that. But um, so, <laughs> if you, so, okay.
1: So, so many questions. Now, if it's a first so,
2: date, uh, if it's a first date, that might be, if, and you actually want to, you know, date that person, not just have a casual encounter. You know, I wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't start off with just hooking up on the, uh, as soon I as you enter the door. Right. No. I thought you meant arrive and go listen. The menu looks lovely, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Like I also would say that a first date is don't take anyone to dinner on a first date. That's too much time commitment. That's too much time commitment, too much money commitment. I don't I don't know if I want to spend an hour or an hour and a half with you. It's one drink. But yes, one drink. And then honestly that one drink will probably and if you want to you know do the deed with that person that one drink will lead you to sexy ta- sexy
1: town pretty quickly if you want it to yes what about so if you're on grinder which i'm not anymore but mm-hmm, same when you know all of us have passed many an hour on there <laughs> it's such a waste of time
2: oh my god even it's if you're single and looking looking for sex it's Ninety percent of the time, it's a waste of your time. I can say that, and you can all listen, but you won't, All of us won't <laughs> receive it until we just
1: accept it. But it used to make me I'm feel. A shame, bit like, I'm
2: not shaming. No, it's just
1: anyone. well, it it tells you something's over the top of the hill. There's nothing. There's no top of the hill. There's That's no top the of the thing. hill. But and there's like, no
2: top on top of that hill either. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a load of bottoms
1: looking for a top. <laughs> the but what's your take on people who? just time wasters on there and how do you deal with how do you deal with those people because that's all i ever experienced was just time wasters oh yeah well i i think in a
2: way like we we can't we can't all say that we're all so innocent either we can't all say that we're victims in this in this scenario you know (laughs) like i think that we've all played what's called i like to call it gay chicken it's like you're kind of interested and you're trying to like see if you want to if you really want to do the deed with this person, but you're also like inching closer and closer, and you're not really sure if you want to do it either, yeah. so I don't think we're I don't think I don't think we're all innocent in this game. Um, mm. So, have you
1: been a time waster?
2: Yeah, of course. I think we all I think we all have. That's that's my whole point. Like, yeah, you, you know, I, I also believe just in being as as forward as possible. You know, like. As forward as possible with you, what you want, and like if someone's not willing to meet you, whatever your needs or desires are, if they're not willing to meet you at the pace that you want to, then you kind of gotta move forward. You you also are, you are also in control of like putting the phone down and
1: like stopping the conversation. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And actually, it's something that's come up, but it's not in one of these things that people have sent in. But something that has come up a lot before on this podcast. Do you think you should just immediately say, like, I'm a top or I'm a bottom? And what do you want? And all of those kind of questions early on. Um, I think you need to be forward
2: with what you want. If you are just literally looking for sex with a stranger at this specific moment, I think it's good to say, hi, this is me. Here's a picture. This is what I'm looking for. You can, can you can you meet these needs? OK, great. Then let's meet up. Yeah. Yeah that that's one scenario if you want something in in a like maybe something in between like be like okay like i am looking for fun but i do want to get to know somebody so then like you know even if you're just having sex like maybe you want to get to know someone for a little bit before you just jump in bed so i think you have to lead with that but also have this steps you know how this game works like just follow the steps and if you get to step six and they're not meeting you it's time to move on Mm, interesting. So like, we, we all are- know how the game works, but somehow we confuse ourselves into acting like we don't know what's going on here.
1: That's the end of part one with the lovely Cody. We are only just getting started with the advice in parts with us on this episode, though, so don't miss part two, people. We're talking about reigniting your sex life, redecorating your grinder profile. I mean, same, same. And relationship red flags. Get involved, it's on the feed.
0: The Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.